Praise the Lord. I taught them everything they know. I got some of them moves in me too. Amen. So delighted to see everybody here this morning. If you're delighted to be in the house of the Lord, why don't you give the Lord a good shout here today? Hallelujah. Victory shout. Amen. Sometimes we just act out in faith. When it's evident that sometimes the opposition is against us, Brother Zach done a wonderful job. And I want to tell you, sometimes you just have to act out in faith and just have a good time in warfare. I like, you know, one of the things that I was taught a long time ago, and that is my dad used to tell me, he said, son, now when you get married, it ain't always going to be just easy. And I said, what do you mean? He said, there'll be some scrubbles. There'll be some fact. When I was dating Jenny, I thought, well, that ain't going to happen. And I found out just right after we were married, it happened. But you know what? The fights are fun because you always get to make up. Amen. And I want to tell you, sometimes when you get to fighting, all of a sudden when God says it's enough, he just comes down and he just gives you his loving spirit and he encourages you and he edifies you and he loves on you. Yes, this Christian life sometimes can be a battle, but I want to tell you it's worth it when he comes and consummates your life with his intimacy and he shows you the love of God. Hallelujah. Give him another great big shout. Would you do that? Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I read this passage of Scripture in my sermon last week when we were talking about miracles, and the enemy is mad at us. We had a lot of healings take place. We've had some testimonies that have came in, and I'm excited about sharing those with you later on. And uh, the Lord is moving, the Lord is touching, and those of you that come up for a miracle, if you didn't have your miracle yet, don't give up, and don't let circumstance paint you a bad picture, because we are not governed by circumstance. We are governed by faith. Can I have an amen? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidences of things not yet seen. Just keep hanging on because the Lord's going to come through for you. He's promised that. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 8. We're going to start with verse 5. We're going to read down to verse 8. Then we're going to jump down to verse 14 through 17 because of time. Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 5, if you'd stand for the reading of the word. Give you one more stretch there. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed to the things which Philip spake, seeing and hearing, the, uh, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and, the, and those that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Say that with me. And there was great joy in that city. Look at verse now, verse 14. Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as it is yet, for yet, as yet he had was, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Lane, would you ask the Lord's anointing on the word, please? Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, this week in study, and I'd come across a passage of scripture that I'd preached on many, many, many times, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God just began to lift a word out of the pages, and I began to look and dissect that word, and I thought, wow, that is so powerful, I can't wait, wait to preach that. And I started developing, and the Lord just said, put that on hold. And I, it was just a revelation for me at the time, and I'll, I'll, if the Lord willing, I'll be preaching on it next week. And I'm so excited to bring that to you. But this morning, I'm going to go a little bit different direction than what I normally preach. I want to do some discipleship or some training or some development here today. I want to do some discipleship preaching. I'm going to slow down a little bit. And this, you know, as our church grows, there becomes a lot of question, especially when it revolves around the topic of what we call the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, there is a need for me at times to stop preaching on vision and purpose and momentum and experiences and things like that and preach doctrinally. Because I want to tell you something, there's times as a pastor you have to just stop and you have to do some pastoral preaching. 
and that is to help train the people. One of the things that I know, we talked about last Sunday night, all of us wanting significance, all of us wanting to be successful in the kingdom. We all want to be good Christians, and we want to be productive people for the kingdom of God. I want my life to make a difference. I don't know about you, but I, when I stand before the Lord, I want the Lord to look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, don't you? I want him to say, hey, you were productive for me. You were a part of the kingdom. Not only was you saved just to go to heaven, but you rocked the kingdom for my sake. I want to stand before the Lord. It, it doesn't matter what I accomplish in an earthly sense or in a physical sense on earth. What matters is what I do for the kingdom of God. Because one of these days, we're going to be judged for our works. We're going to be rewarded for our works. And, and no matter what kind of reward that we get, we're still going to take our crowns and our rewards, and we're going to lay them at the feet of Jesus because ultimately, all glory goes to him because without him, we can do nothing and we are nothing. Can I have an amen? Jesus Christ is awesome. Jesus Christ rocks, doesn't he? Give the Lord Jesus Christ a worship praise in this house. Amen. He's Lord of all. But I want to be the best that I can be. And if we're going to be all that we can be, we have to be doctrinally sound. We have to know what we believe and why we believe it. And we got to know why things happen, the way things happen, and especially in Pentecostal services. Many come from non-Pentecostal backgrounds that's visiting our church right now, and they simply have never seen, heard, or experienced some of the things that they see, hear, and experience at the palace. And I want to give them of the reasons of why things happen in the body of Christ here at the palace the way that they do. My goal this morning is simply to teach a simple basic message, a Bible, a biblical message, message on the difference of the indwelling of the spirit at salvation and then the difference of what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We as the church of God believe and teach that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is subsequent to a clean heart. In other words, let me redefine what that's actually saying. We believe that there's a difference in the indwelling of the spirit in the life of the believer at salvation than there is in the infilling of the believer with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There are two separate works that takes place in the life of the believer and when it comes to relationship with the Holy Spirit. We believe and teach that the baptism in the Spirit is a definite second work of grace that happens to a believer, not a worldly person. Even though it is true that a believer receives the Holy Spirit at salvation. As a matter of fact, it was Paul himself that said in 1 Corinthians 3.16 he said, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells within you. I want you to know that if you're a Christian, if you're born again here to Day, getting ahead of my notes a little bit, but you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God dwells within you. It is, yet it is also true that the baptism or the infilling of the Spirit is different than that of the dwelling of the Spirit that we receive when we become saved. It's one thing for the Spirit of God to dwell in you at salvation and it's another thing to be filled or to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Can I have an amen? Many Pentecostals have been taught that the Holy Spirit does not dwell in the life of the believer at salvation, which is completely wrong. That is unsound doctrine. Everyone that has given their life to Jesus Christ in repentance of sin and the confession of Christ as Savior and Lord has the Holy Spirit abiding in their life. If you came to Jesus and you were born again and you were saved, the Holy Spirit is in your life. Can you have an amen to that? It was Paul that said in Romans 8 and 9, he said, but you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. And if you and if any man have not the spirit of Christ, then he's none of his. In other words, what he was saying here, he's simply saying that if you do not have the spirit, then you are not saved and you do not belong to Jesus Christ. It's simple as that. This is where in many Pentecostal circles, they preach and teach that if one is not baptized with the Holy Spirit, that they will not go to heaven, that they're lost and they're not saved. However, that is not true because they are confused and do not understand the difference in the indwelling of the Spirit at salvation and the difference in one being baptized with the Holy Ghost. These scriptures in Romans 8 and 9 is not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And some people ask me, even I've had this question not too long ago, what's the difference between the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit? There is no difference. It's just a difference in title. It's a difference in name. You know, sometimes, I go by my middle name and I walk up and they'll say, well, I said, when I go to the bank, it gives me problems. Well, we don't have a Kent Miller. I said, well, and then I'll give them my first name. You say, what is it? It's none of your business. Amen. 
And, and the truth of the matter is, I'm the same person, but I got different names and different titles. And that is the same way it is with the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Ghost. He's the Comforter. He's the Paraclete. He's named many things and different titles throughout the Scripture. Now, a lot of people say, why are you preaching like this? Because if there's one thing that God spoke to me, he said, I want the church to get a pure, sound doctrine when it comes to the things of the Spirit because I'm about to do some phenomenal things and they got to begin to have some revelation and some understanding of what I'm going to do because confusion will destroy the work of God. God is not an author of confusion, but of order. He does everything decently. And everything that happens here, we can give you a biblical reason of why it happens. And if we can't, then that which has happened is not ordained of God. Can I have an amen? So here we are today. Woo, I'm about to get happy because I understand this morning's message may be teaching, but I also know what it's setting us up for for the future. I understand that when we understand the power of the Holy Spirit and we understand the power of the Spirit in one's life and salvation, we can understand then the workings of the Spirit and in relationship to our relationship with Him. Now notice Romans 8 and 9 again is not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit where he said you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit of so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth within you but he that does not have the Spirit of Christ is none of his. This is talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that one receives when they give their lives to Jesus Christ. Everybody that gets saved has the Spirit of God dwelling in their life. When you came down, confessed your sin, repented of your sin, accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Messiah, you yielded your life, you surrendered your life over to him, there was an impartation of his Spirit into your life. Can you say amen to that? And if you like that, give the Lord a praise for his Holy Spirit, his abiding presence in our lives. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. Now this is why we say that salvation is easy as ABC, admit, believe, and confess. Because Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Acts 2 and 21 tells us that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3, 16, 17, the golden text of the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If God sent not his son to condemn the world but the world through him might be saved. John, uh, Luke 13 and 3 says, I tell you nay, except a man repent, you shall all likewise perish. But this is why that when we repent and we confess and we believe in Jesus Christ who's the only Messiah, the only Savior of the world, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh of the Father except through him. He's the only one to whereby we can be saved. When we come to him in faith believing and die, denying our sin and accepting him we are saved and the Holy Spirit comes into our life and guides and leads us. Can we have an amen? Praise the name of the Lord for that. But the, you know this of course is again referring to the conviction of sin where we begin to ask God to forgive us. Look, look at with me uh, what, look with me what it says in the book of Revelations 3 and 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and him with me. Notice something here in this passage. This passage of scripture is literally saying that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. The door of our heart, we always talk about that, don't we? Even we've learned that in children's church, how that Jesus stands at the door and knocks, and if any man open the door and yield to him, give their lives to him, that he will come in and sup with him, and he with them. Now, how's he going to do that? How does Jesus Christ come into our life and sup with us? It's important for us to understand how that Jesus is going to make that abode with us. He's going to dwell in the believer through the person of the Holy Spirit. That's how you come to know Jesus. This is why that Jesus himself said in John 14, verse 16 through 18, to his disciples before he left by the way of the cross. He said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient or necessary that I go away. For if I go not away, that comforter, talking about the Holy Spirit, that comforter will not come. But, uh, but, but he says, but if I go away, I will pray and I will send him to you. And he said, I will pray to the Father and he shall give you another comforter that 
he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Jesus said that it was expedient or it was necessary, it was important that he go away because he was limited to what he could do through his natural body with his disciples. He could not be in all, all places at, uh, all the time. He, he was limited by his natural, physical, fleshly body. And he told his disciples that he would not leave them comfortless, but he would come to them. He promised to send them what he called another comforter. When you look in the actual Greek translation of the scripture, that word another means one of the self-same sort as Jesus. In other words, he's identical to Jesus. He's just like Jesus. He has the same power. He has the same anointing. He has the same, uh, he has the same authority. He has the, he has the same holiness. Everything about the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus Christ. So we got to understand that when we have the Holy Spirit, we are is the same as having Jesus Christ. Jesus would abide in the believer through the person of the Holy Spirit. That's why in John 14, 23, he's made another statement. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me and he will keep my words and my father will love him and we the Father and the Son will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, how's the Father and Christ going to make their abode in the life of the believer? Jesus answered that in Galatians 4 and 6 when he said, and because you are sons of God, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. What has happened when we come to accept Christ and we receive him in salvation? He has sent the spirit of his Son into our hearts and we cry out, Abba, Father. It is the Holy Spirit in Scripture that executes the will of God. Therefore, when the Holy Spirit is in us, God is in us. Romans 8, 14 and 15 literally says this. says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption to whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. Thank God when I was an orphan, when I was estranged from God, alienated from God, God called, sent his conviction, brought me into a relationship with him, and now through the abiding presence of God, I am adopted into the family of God and the spirit of God's in my life. Amen. And the indwelling of the spirit is the impartation of life. It is the gift of salvation. That's what this thing's all about. Everyone that is saved has again, let me say it, the Holy Spirit living in their lives and they are the temple of the Holy Spirit and they are a part of the body of Christ, the church. Amen. Are you saved here today? If you're saved, give praise to God. Amen. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit, let me, let me say this. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit he works salvation. In other words, where there is no spirit, there's no salvation. Can I have an amen? The salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us where there's no spirit, there's no life. Life is in the spirit. According to 2 Corinthians 3 and 6, it says, the letter or the law killeth, but the spirit, it giveth life. Matter of fact, John 6 and 63 says, it is the spirit that quickens. What does the word quicken mean to make alive? It's the spirit that quickens. The flesh profiteth nothing, but the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life, Jesus said. In Romans 8 and 2, Paul said, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. The work of salvation is a work of the spirit. And let me say, if you can trust the Holy Spirit in your salvation, you can also trust the Holy Spirit in a spirit-filled life, amen? But Christ provided salvation through his redemptive work at the cross. How many knows that? We all know that. It's elementary. Isaiah 53 says he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Through his stripes we are healed. First Peter, we know that First Peter chapter 1 verse 18 and 19 says, for you are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold and from the vain traditions that you received from your father, but you're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. Thank God that Jesus, the Son of God, died and on the cross for you and I to be saved. He is the supreme sacrifice for our sin. But even as Christ purchased our, our salvation, I want you to know it is the Holy Spirit that applies it into our life. You, I, I want you to know you cannot even be saved without the Holy Spirit's operation on your life. You wouldn't even know or even have the knowledge that you needed to be saved if it wasn't for the
for the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, John 16, verse 8 through 11 talks about the Holy Spirit. It said, when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not upon me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the prince of this world's already judged. In other words, how many of you can remember the day that you were saved, how that the Holy Spirit came back, grabbed a hold of your heart and convicted you? Amen? You remember that? He knocked at the door of your heart. He convicted you, illuminated your need to be saved. He convinced you you was a sinner. Matter of fact, Romans 3 and 23 tells us that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Matter of fact, Romans 6 and 23, the Roman road tells us the wages of sin is death and we were convinced of that, but he also convinces the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. He comes back and he convicts you of your sin. He lets you know you're a sinner. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He also convinces you of your unrighteousness. All righteousness, according to Isaiah, is filthy as rags. But on the flip side of the coin, he also tells us, and there goes the lights, hallelujah, let there be light, amen. But he also tells us that not only is he convincing us of our unrighteousness, he convinces us of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the third thing that he does, he convinces us that the prince of this world is judged. He lets us know that judgment's coming if we do not give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're gonna be judged and we're gonna be condemned in our sin. The wages of those sins, death. Thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit who comes and begins to convict us and draw us. Matter of fact, Jesus, said without the spirit no man can come to the father unless the spirit draws him amen we need a spirit life church because without the spirit we're nothing because the spirit is the agent of the presence of God in these modern days that you and I where you and I can identify who God is can I have an amen give the Lord praise for the Holy Spirit amen God help me preach even though Christ has paid for our salvation through Calvary and his shed blood and without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And we recognize that life's in the blood and we're redeemed by the blood according to the scripture. Yet even though Christ provided life, he's the giver of life. It is the person and the agent of the spirit that brings us in contact with Jesus Christ. The only way that we can know Christ and receive Christ is through and by the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, that John 16, verse 13 and 14 says, How be it when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he heareth, that shall he speak, and he's going to show you things to come. How many of you are ready to have revelational truths given to you by the Holy Spirit? It's a marvelous thing to be studying the scriptures and say, God, I don't understand that. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will just move on the pages and move on your heart, move in your mind, and boom, he'll illuminate something to you. And what he does, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ because Jesus goes on in the next verse and says, he, the Holy Spirit, shall glorify me, Jesus says, and he shall receive of me and he will show it unto you. So I want you to know what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the divine revelator of Jesus Christ. That's all he does. He revelates, he's a revelation of truth. He gives you the revelation of who Jesus is. He's not got his own agenda. He doesn't go out doing his own thing. Everything he does brings glory to Jesus Christ. He receives from Christ and he shows it unto us as believers. Thank God, that's why the scripture is inspired of God, written by God, and the only way that you and I can understand that word, it's a spiritual word, is for us to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit because that word was written by old men of old as though they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Oh, I wish I had time to preach about two hours right there. But nevertheless, we see Jesus revealed that salvation is a work of the Spirit in John chapter three, verse one through seven. I gotta lay a foundation here. And he done it to a man by the name of Nicodemus. There was a man of the Pharisees. He was, uh, name was Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Master, we know that thou art a teacher that comes from God because no man can do these miracles that thou doest unless God be with him. And Jesus begins to talk to him. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, you're never gonna see the kingdom of God. There's only one way to be saved. There's not multiple ways. Come on, somebody help me preach here. How many believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? He's the only way. He's only Messiah. He's the only one that died for you. He's the only one that could. He's the only begotten son of God, the only one of his kind. He's the only one that could do it. 
No one else could purchase your sin. No one else could redeem you from your sin because there's never been a perfect man from the time that Adam fell even to now. But Jesus was not born of a man. He was born by what? The Holy Spirit. And now we see that he is the perfect man, tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. And he went to the cross and he was the perfect, spotless, blameless son of God who died on the cross, shed his blood, and now we have a redeemer that can set us from our, free from our sins. And here's Jesus and he tells Nicodemus, you're not even going to enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And Nicodemus says, well, how can a man be born when he's old? Does he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? He didn't understand. And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He said, for that which is flesh is flesh, but that which is spirit is spirit. Marvel not what I say unto you, you must be born again. Jesus taught that man must be born of the spirit. It's the work and the regenerated work of the Holy Ghost. In Ephesians 2 and 1, it talks about how that Paul said, and you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Before I came to Christ, I was created by God in body, soul, and spirit, just like Adam, but the difference is I was born into sin because of Adam's transgression by one man. With disobedience, many were made sinners. By one man's sin, we've all became sinners. And when I come out from my mother's womb, I'm still in the image of God in the sense that I have a body, I have a soul, but I also have a spirit, but it's dead in trespasses and sin. I was born dead spiritually, and I have to have a new born-again spirit in order for me to be in the in, in the image of God and to go to heaven. So now he says, but you who were dead in trespasses and sin, has he quickened? The word quicken means to be made alive. And, and how are we quickened? That's what John 6 and 63 says. It is the spirit that quickeneth. It's the spirit that makes us alive. Titus 3 and 5 says, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration. And what else? By the renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's how you were saved, by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, what does the word regeneration mean? Because this tells us that the Holy Spirit is the agent, or he's the one that works regeneration in our lives. Regeneration means to be made new. When I got saved, Jesus didn't put a patch on me. He didn't just come and overhaul me. He made me brand new. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for transformation? He didn't come along and just throw some, something back together. But I want to tell you, when I come up out of the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm white and clean, transformed, redeemed, made whole. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things begin to be made new. That is the work of regeneration. And the work of regeneration is done by the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? How did it happen? How does regeneration work? 1 Corinthians 12, 13 tells us how. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and we've all been made to drink of that same spiritual drink. Notice here that it says that we're baptized by the spirit. Not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about that you and I are baptized by the Holy Spirit. How does that happen? It is the spirit that baptizes us into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the work of the Holy Ghost. That's why that John said, and John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter three and 11, he said, hey, I indeed baptize you with water and repentance, but he that cometh after I, who's mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to latch, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here because I do it through our baptisms a lot of times, is that there's three baptisms mentioned in this passage of scripture. First of all, I want you to understand that you and I that are saved, every single one of us come in contact with the Holy Spirit and he give us a, a illuminating uh, revelation of Jesus Christ. Under that revelation of Jesus Christ, we repented of our sin, we accepted Christ as Savior, and we became born again by him taking our dead spirit that was in us, and he pulled us out, and he baptized us, and merged us in the body of Christ. And let me tell you, it's the spirit that is the baptizer. It is a baptism of faith, and the element that he baptizes us, is, us in is blood, because you're washed by the blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. So he comes along, he sees a filthy, wore out rag. You know, he looks at us and all our righteousness is, our righteousness is filthy as rags. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. And he comes and he sends his Holy Spirit out to captivate us and convict us and to convince us that we need a Savior. He illuminates Jesus Christ to us through the power of his Spirit. And then all of a sudden when we yield, he reaches into the depth of our lives. He takes that old dead, that 
that taunted, that sinful, stained spirit of ours, and he emerges it in the blood of Jesus Christ, and it pulls it out. He regenerates it. He makes it brand new. Then he justifies it. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a judicial act of God that says you are holy, you are pure, you are no longer sinful, and now his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're saved, we're born again, and we're children of God, and we have the spirit of God dwelling in our lives. Ain't that marvelous? That makes me want to run. But I ain't got the health to run. The second thing it does, there's a water of a baptism in water. It's a baptism by John, the preacher. It's a baptism of a man, not by the spirit. It's a man. And what does he do? It's a baptism of works. It's not a baptism of faith, it's a baptism of works. He baptizes you and the elements, not blood, but water. Amen? He merges you in that water. And now, everybody says, well, what, what's that all about? It, the element is water. The baptizer's a man, a preacher. And the, and the type of baptism is it's works. When it says there's one Lord, one baptism, one faith, that's talking about you being baptized by the spirit of the body. It's a baptism of faith. But this preacher, when he baptizes you in water, it's nothing more than a symbol of an, inward, of an inward work outwardly. You're saying it's a witness of an inward work in your life of what's happened to you by the power of the regenerated work of the Holy Spirit. It is a witness. It's a testimony. That's why the first Peter tells us now baptism doesn't even save us. Not by the washing of the filth of the flesh. It don't wash you. That's what he said. That's what Peter said. It's not that it's washing your sins away. The blood washes your sins away. But it's a pure conscience toward God. It's you following him in obedience. It's you now saying, I'm willing to make what has been done spiritually known publicly. I am going out and testifying to the world. I am saved. Because if I am ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of me when he comes with his holy angels at the second coming of Jesus Christ. I have to follow him in obedience and I'm making an open statement, an open stand. I am regenerated by faith. I I'm buried with him in baptism and I'm raised up a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am not ashamed. Therefore, I'll proclaim it through water baptism. Can I have an amen? And then the third one is we have a baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Amen? It's not the spirit that baptizes in himself. It's not a preacher that baptizes you in the Holy Ghost. If you're looking to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, it will not be given to you by man. They may be used of the Holy Spirit, but the baptizer is not the man. It is a baptism of promise. Jesus gave us the promise. He told his disciples, go into the upper room. He commanded them to to not depart until they be endued with power. He said, for John truly baptized you with water, but from not many days from hence, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen? But notice that this baptism is a baptism of promise. The baptizer is Jesus Christ himself. Because John said, I indeed baptize you with water and repentance. But he that cometh after I, who's mightier than I, talking about Jesus, whose shoes I'm not even early left, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now we have three baptisms three different elements, three different baptizers, and it's proven my point that there is a definite different work of grace in the baptism of the Holy Spirit than there is in the impartation of life by the Holy Spirit at salvation. Can I have an amen? Now, Christ's baptism is a baptism, of course, as we said, in the Holy Spirit. It is very noticeable in our text. Look, let's go to our text for a moment. You wondered, why did he even preach that text? I'm getting around to it. It's my sermon. I can put this text anywhere I want it. Amen? But notice this. It's very noticeable in their text that the Samaritans had received salvation through Christ. How many believe that? Look at verse 12. But when they believed, say believed. Philip's preaching concerning the things of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, say Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then all these miracles started happening. And it says, and then there was great joy in that city. Now, even though they were saved, 
Our text reveals a different infilling of the Spirit separate from that of salvation. Here these people are, they hear the preaching of the things concerning the kingdom of God about Jesus Christ. They believe on Christ. They even go out and they get baptized in water by Philip. And there's great joy in the city. When you get saved, there's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen? How many sees that? How many believe these people were saved? Of course they were saved. The Bible tells us they were saved. But then look at verse 14 and 15. Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, had heard the Samaritans received, say received, the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John who was when they came down prayed for the holy ghost that they might prayed for them that they might receive the holy spirit now i want you to notice something right here in this passage of scripture first of all peter and john hears about this great revival going on these people are saved miracles are taking place great joy in the city revival is rampant i mean philip's preaching the house down and you know what his messages were jesus christ jesus christ Jesus Christ, that's why Paul said, I don't want to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul even said one time, I'm glad I don't baptize any of you. He said, because you're saying one's uh, 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 baptized by Paulus, one by this. And he said, I didn't baptize anyone. And he said, I don't baptize anyone of you unless the cross become foolish and you don't believe in the power of the cross. Come on. Jesus baptized no man. So we're seeing here that they were saved. Born again, receive the word of God, baptized. But notice, after the Jerusalem hears it, several days later, they sent down Peter and John that they might pray for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 17. And then when they laid their hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. Amen. How many see there's a difference here? How many believe that the Samaritans had the Holy Spirit dwelling in their lives before the apostle came down and laid their hands on them? Of course they did. But there's a different work of the Holy Spirit in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. One cannot deny the scripture that the scripture reveals that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is separate than the indwelling of the Spirit of salvation. You remember Paul in Acts chapter 19? He's going uh, to the upper coast of Ephesus and he comes across certain believers and he says to them, he says to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Well, first of all, the Holy Ghost is only for believers not unbelievers, amen? You, ain't even, you are not even able to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit until you have been harvested and regenerated by the Holy Spirit. You gotta become a believer, you gotta become a child of God. So here he is, he's saying to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe, you're believers? And they said, well, we've not even heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. They have not been taught, they had not been trained, they had not had any messages on the Holy Spirit. And then Paul asked them and make sure that everything's right. He says, then what baptism was you baptized in? And they said, we were baptized in the baptism uh, of repentance under John. And then it says, look what it says in verse six of chapter 19. He says, and then when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them and they spake in tongues and prophesied. Again, we see them saved under the repentance of the baptism of John but later, Paul comes along. They had not been trained. They had not been schooled in the Holy Spirit. And Paul laid his hands upon them after giving them the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And by faith, they received what we call the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Give the Lord praise for that. Now, I'm going to hurry here. Uh, Jesus said in John 4, 4, 4 and 14, but whosoever drinketh this water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. We know who he's talking to here. He's talking to the little Samaritan woman who come out to draw water. She had lived with uh, uh, several husbands, was living in adultery. And here's this Jewish man asking this Samaritan woman, give me the drink. She looks at him, who are you? He said, you know, why are you being a Jew talking to me, a Samaritan? You know, the Samaritans and the Jews had no dealings with each other because the Samaritans were half-breeds and the Jews looked at them as unclean people. And nevertheless, I'm not going to get into all of that, but Jesus says, give me the drink. She couldn't understand it. And then Jesus makes this statement to her. Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be a water springing up into everlasting life. Now, notice that he said that... that, that, that 
that literally that we can have everlasting water. We can have our quenched thirst. Isaiah 12 and 3 says, therefore with joy shall you draw out of the wells of salvation. They were at a well. They were drawn from that well. And how many knows that when you get saved, that portion of the spirits inside of you is like a well. It's a well and a source of refreshment. The scripture reveals the one who receives the indwelling spirit has a source of everlasting satisfaction. Jesus is joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Come on, somebody help me preach. He has, a, every one of us have a well within us, no need to go anywhere else looking for satisfaction. You don't need to go to the world because everything you long for is right there in your own personal well that you have received from salvation. Drink of it. I have to go to my personal well and drink of that everlasting life all the time. Amen? It's a source of satisfaction. It's the keeping, sustaining power of my life. Christ is abundant life, according to John 10, 10. Christ is our peace that passeth all understanding. He's joy unspeakable and full of glory. But notice, here he is telling a woman about the well of salvation that lies within inside of her after she confesses him as Lord. She goes in the city and said, come and see a man that told me everything they ever did. She goes out and starts witnessing and testifying about the saving power of Jesus. She got a well of satisfaction that day. Can I have an amen? When you got saved, the well of the Spirit, the abiding presence of God came to our life and we drink of that well often. Praise God. It's our own personal well. It's just for us. We'll never run dry. It's Oh, Jimmy Swaggart sings that about a well that will never run dry. It's there all the time. It's a source of satisfaction that we can draw from. But notice John chapter 7, verse 37. In the last days... That great day of the feast, Jesus stood crying, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth, this is for the believer, he that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters, but this spanky of the Spirit. Did you hear that? And John 4, the woman at the well, it was a personal well. It was a well of salvation, and you put up a no trespassing sign. It's just for that individual. It's for you to be able to go back and tap in and drink that refreshing water, that cool presence of God anytime that you want it. He's that source of satisfaction. But here, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit not as a well, but he referred to the Holy Spirit as a rushing river of living water that flows out of your most inner belly. That spanky of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't have time to preach everything I want to because time's running away from me, so I'll just get down here and finish. So, in other words, when I get saved, I got this personal well. I dip from it anytime I want. But the difference in this is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that well turns into a mighty rushing river. And it's no longer just for me. It flows out of me and refreshes others. It fits me for service. It anoints me to be the man of God that can touch other people. Can I have an amen? The well is for my own personal satisfaction. My well is for my own witness that the spirit of God bears witness with my spirit. I'm a child of God. That's what that does. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, that's what Jesus said in Acts chapter one, verse eight. But after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, ye shall receive power and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. This is not the impartation of life. It is the impartation of power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit for service to make a difference, to be influential, to have an impact. Come on, to be successful. Amen. Now I'm going to have to hurry up and preach, but I like what R. A. Torrey said. Let me let me share with what R. A. Torrey said. R. A. Torrey said these words. If I can find it in my notes, he says it's evident that the baptism with the Holy Spirit is an operation of the Holy Spirit distinct from and additional to his regenerated work. A man may be regenerated by the Holy Spirit and still not be baptized with the Holy Ghost. In regeneration, there's the impartation of life by the Spirit's power, and the one who receives it is saved. In the baptism with the Holy Ghost, there is the impartation of power, and the one who receives it is filled for service. You know, here's the difference between a believer that's filled with the Holy Spirit and one that's not filled with the Holy Spirit is that everyone that is saved has the Spirit dwelling in them in the form of a well, 
But those that are saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, they have rivers of living water flowing from their most, it's an artesian well. We always talk about in feeling. I used to do an illustration. I'd put up a, 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 a can or a, a vase or whatever, and we would think that God fills us by taking another pitcher and pouring it into it. That's not what happens. He does not pour out into. He literally fills us from the inside. That well rises up like an artesian well and begins to flow out of us. Amen? That which you already has, he multiplies it. He gives you the spirit without measure like he did Jesus. And now the well, that refreshing that's inside of you begins to be poured out of, out of your life into other people. Amen? Everybody accuses us a lot of times that those that are baptized, you Pentecostal think you better than everybody else. No, I don't. I do not think that. Because I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit does not make me more special. The Holy Spirit makes Christ more special to me. He does not, he does not blow me up. He blows Christ up. Come on, somebody help me preach. Amen? And when I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden there is a new revelation a new transformation that takes place in my life where the illuminating the presence of God is now not just in me but flowing out of me and touching other people for service. I like that. You know, and the difference, let me show you the difference. Malachi, come here for a minute, buddy. Give Malachi Cornette a great big hand here. Malachi, single, looking. Women, look at him right here. He'll never do another illustration with me as long as I live. I want you to hang on my finger, bub. Just hang on to it. Go where I go. We're saved. We, are, we, are, we have an abode with the, the Lord. I'm, I'm representing Jesus Christ. We have this abode. We're connected. He lives in my life through the person of the Holy Spirit. I go. He goes. And he, you know, he's refreshing me. He's blessing me. He's put a seal of approval upon me. He sealed me with the Holy Ghost according to the book of Ephesians. Amen. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. When I get salvation, he lets me know he loves me. He lets me know he cares for me. And the problem of it is when the trials really hit and the problems get real difficult, all of a sudden, you know, you start going through some rough terrain. And the, you're supposed to hang on, boy. That's why. Now, boy, he got it. That finger's going to turn black in just about two seconds. And, 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 and then, you know, you begin to get some, going down them steps again. Now, come back up here, buddy. And then... Uh, you're supposed to hang on, boy. <laughs> Amen? How strong are you? Put a grip on that baby. That's, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Go back down there. It's rough, rough waters, rough terrain. Boy, you're supposed to hang on. <laughs> a lot of times those of us who are saved have that kind of relationship with Christ, don't we? Because we're trying to hang on by our own strength. By our own knowledge, by our own example. But the difference in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is you no longer have a hold of him. He has a hold of you. Now, boy, we're going to go up the steps. No matter what kind of wind hits you, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life is the, is the difference of you trying to drive a railroad stake with a ball-peen hammer or a sledgehammer? Can I have an amen? You're no more special by being baptized in the Holy Spirit because it is not about holiness. You can't get any holier than being saved. If you're saved, you're holy. You can sit down, Malachi. Thank you. Give him a hand. You can't get no more holier than being saved. It's not about holiness, it's about empowerment. Because here's the thing that I have found out in my own life, is the more of the Holy Spirit I yield to, the more of Christ's illuminating presence is given in my life because it produces power, faith, confidence, assurance, amen? It gives me the ability to operate outside of myself and it gives me the anointing of his presence to pull down strongholds to cast out devils. Come on, to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, you, got, you can argue with me all you want. 
in the years past, there was groups of segments, small segments, but they were there, of Pentecostal people who wouldn't even recognize anybody outside of their, of their denomination as Christians. They'd look at people and say, they're not saved. They're not believers. They don't speak with tongues. Come on, they're not baptizing the Holy Ghost. If you can look at Billy Graham and say that he wasn't a Christian, there's something wrong with you. Hello? Man done so many marvelous things. If you look at James Kennedy in the Presbyterian Church and you say that man wasn't saved, something's wrong with you. His spirit bared witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. I wanted you to know there'll be Baptists in heaven. There'll be Presbyterian in heaven. There'll be Church of God in heaven. Assembly of God, Pentecostal, non-Pentecostal. Why, they're brothers in Jesus Christ. They've been saved. That is going over like a lead balloon. You can say whatever you want to say, folks, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit's not about your salvation. You have to be saved to receive it, but it's about the empowerment for your life. I want you to stand with me this morning. As I was putting this together, just in my mind, I could preach hours on this. I got so many more scriptures. I don't have, I, I don't have the time on a Sunday morning. I, I know it's a basic sermon. It's very simple. It's very basic. But those of you not filled with the Holy Spirit, this ought to spark you to say, there is a difference in the indwelling of the Spirit at salvation than there is in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But there's also something else true here today, and the Lord laid this on my heart. I was going to have a total different altar call, and the Lord just changed me just like that. I got to go by the leading of the Holy Spirit. There's people here that's not saved this morning. You've never been to the well. You've never drank of that source of satisfaction, that life-giving water to where those that thirst can come and get a drink. I wish I had time to talk about the thirst of the baptism of the Holy Spirit any man thirst, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they're the ones that's gonna be filled. But here God wants me to just talk to somebody that's not saved. There's somebody here in their life has took a downturn. That's why you're here. You're looking for some answers. You're in serious trouble. And things ain't going good and there's a lot of turmoil in your life. A lot of unresolved questions. There's been some injustices that's happened to you and you just don't know what to do and you're hurting, you're confused, you're lonely and you're just sitting here and God brought you here this morning. I was able to teach my congregation something but he's singling you out right now. This whole service at the altar calls all about you because he loves you too much to leave you where you're at. You're just like the woman at the well. He came there to seek you out. Luke 19 and 10 says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. You're lost, you're wondering. Things ain't going good. You're in turmoil. That's the kind of language the Lord's putting into my spirit this morning. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you need to be saved this morning to come to know Jesus Christ, I want you to come up here and we're gonna pray for you.